Thank you for listening to WNLA's Sermon of the Week. Visit our website at wnla.church for ways to partner with us and to connect with our ministries. Here is this week's sermon. Amen. Put your hand in the hand of the man who stirred the water. We're going to start singing. Hey, listen, if there is something going on in your life that you need the Lord to come through for, he is able. In fact, let's pray that right now. Just if there's something you, you need the Lord to show himself in or maybe whatever it is, a miracle, put your hands out in front of you. I just want to pray into that with you and over you. And I, the reason I ask you to put your hands out is because it's you putting an act of faith. You're like, you're not doing it to me. You're doing it. Jesus, I put this out before you. And let this be the day. Father, we give you all the praise, all the glory. The name of Jesus is to be praised. We look to no one else but you, Jesus, for our strength, for our source. Lord, these, these uh, miracles, these, some folks, we just need you to intervene. And so we intercede, we, we call upon you, the one and only Savior, to save, Father. And we praise the name of Jesus together. In that name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, never hesitate to ask the Lord for anything. <laughs> like it just it boggles my mind that the word tells us that, that you have not because you ask not, right? You can ask for anything to the Lord. He's never offended by your asking. Like, anyway, that's not the point today. It's good. It's good. We serve a good Father, a good Lord, a good Savior. He's accomplished. He's accomplished. Amen. All right, so let's jump into today, and I want to start with a simple question. Have you ever been caught red-handed? <laughs> I saw some red hands raised right there. Uh, have you ever been caught red-handed? Uh, I'll tell on myself a little bit today. I, I was homeschooled in the fifth and sixth grade, and, uh, and I remember... Uh, well, I had my, my, my sister was home with me in the sixth grade. She was being homeschooled as well. And, uh, and my mom had gone for the day. She was our homeschool teacher. Now, I knew where the secret answer keys were in her bedroom. On her, and I, I knew she'd driven off. I don't know where she went, but it was just my sister and I at home. I'm sitting there with a giant pile of math homework, and I'm like, you know how much easier it would be. And so I snuck I snuck down the other side of the house. I, I pulled out that answer sheet and I stuffed it in my pants and under my shirt because I didn't want to be caught, right? And so I'm, I'm don't judge me. I see those looks. <laughs> Yet he, let he who is out sin cast the first stone, all right? Uh, so I'm walking, I'm walking back through the house and who passes me in the living room but my sister? And she says, how are you, how's it going? And I'm like, and you know, it's like, it's like my heart starts beating a little faster. I'm like, oh, okay. She doesn't know I've got it perfectly hidden. And yet she keeps asking me questions. And she keeps, she's like, what's wrong? What, why don't you just sit down? I'm like, uh-uh. <laughs> she's like, well, we, let's just sit down and chat. And so I'm like, okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe I sit down and my shirt literally went like this. And stuck straight up. And there's the answer key. And she's, she's looking right at me. And she's like, are you cheating? <laughs> to, her, to her credit, she's like, me too. And <laughs> Anyway, my mom never heard that story, so she loved me all the way. So, listen, listen. it's good to get caught red-handed. 
It really is. Now, what, what does that term mean? That term red-handed, it comes from Scotland in the, uh, let's see, the 15th century Scotland, they would, say, they would say, if they caught somebody with blood on their hands, they would say he was caught red-handed. It means there's, there's no more proof needed. You're in the out, we know. And I'm telling you, getting caught red-handed can be the very best thing for you. It really can. You're like, uh-uh, yeah, it really can. Because when you're caught red-handed, you are forced immediately to deal with that sin. You, you have, now you're, you, we usually react in one of two ways. Number one, we immediately get apologetic. Oh, I'm so, oh, and, and often we try to seek to compensate or to make amends for what we did, right? Somehow, if I, if I pay back, oh, I, I will never cheat again and blah, 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 right? That's, that's one way we do. Or number two, we become very defensive and we justify why it is it was okay. Um, and it'd be like, well, you gave me too much math homework anyway and I already know how to do all that stuff. It's super easy. It's just busy work. See what I'm doing? I'm getting defensive. I'm trying to, I'm trying to justify my sin. They both can be destroying. So we do one of two things. When you're caught... Your reaction as a human is usually to get either immediately apologetic and try to compensate. I know I've told this story before, but I used to be a youth pastor on the other side of the state, and uh, this was back in the olden days of 2003 and beyond. Um, but like when, when cell phones, smartphones were first coming out, and I was really cutting edge and hip, whether you didn't know that about me, but uh, I had the Bible on my phone, right? Now, most people didn't understand that, and and so I, when, when, when Pastor Dan would, would call for a, a verse, uh, I would look it up on my phone, like many of you do, okay? And I'd be reading along with him. Well, this lady behind me was really mad that I would dare to go on my phone and play video games or check my email in the middle of service. And so she, she taps me on the shoulder and she's like, how could you do, put that phone away? And I held it up and I'm like, I'm just reading the Bible. Her face got so red. It was the weirdest thing. She immediately reached in her pocket and grabbed cash and started handing me money. <laughs> and I'm like, I should do this all the time. It was so weird, but I'm like, I don't need, what are you giving me money for? What was, what was her reaction? She'd been, she, she, uh, she judged me falsely. She felt immediately bad about it, and she's trying to make compensation. And the best way she knew, if you, need comp if you want to compensate me for that, anyway, I didn't take her money. But this is one of our, one of our reactions. Getting apologetic is a good thing. But I, 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 we're going to explore this a little bit more. But, but did you know that trying to compensate for your sin isn't always appropriate? Yeah. We'll get into that in a little bit. I'm not saying you don't pay, pay, you know, pay for it, but it does. The other thing is when you, when you get caught or, you, we, uh, like I said, you try to dig in and you try to make up a quick defense as to why this was okay. Getting caught, as I said, is a really, really good thing. It forces us into a decision about our wrong. Because here's the thing. We can get really good. If nobody catches us, we, we can really stuff that thing down and hide it deep. And we start, it, it, we start to numb it with things, right? So if I bury enough stuff on top of this, I've actually never dealt with it. Look at me. You need to deal with all of your sin. You've got to deal with it. You've got to acknowledge the wrongness of it. And so getting caught is an amazing thing, but we don't always get caught. In fact, sometimes, a lot of times we don't. 
And if you're not careful and you start to bury that thing under all sorts of things, next thing you know, there are symptoms that start popping up in your life. Symptoms of dysfunction. Weird things start popping up. Like, like uh, you don't know why you just keep making destructive decisions in your life. I don't know why I keep lashing out in anger at people all the time. I, I, I don't understand why I constantly quit things. Like I can't seem to keep going. I, I don't understand why, why I don't have any joy. Like, I'm, 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 just, I'm just stressed all the time. I'm anxious all the time. Well, I, I submit to you, this isn't always the case, but I submit to you, this is often the result of buried sin that you were unwilling to deal with. It can be recent, it can be long-term. But if you've, ever, if you've ever had mechanical issues, I'm not the most mechanically inclined guy, but there was a time my battery, you know, just wouldn't stay charged. I bought a brand new battery, I stuck it in there, bought it, got a new alternator, stuck it in there, and it kept draining the battery. Well, there was a short in the system somewhere that just constantly drained the battery, no matter how good the battery was. The, the new battery lasted longer, but until that short, there was something, there was, it's like a virus that's just sucking juice away from that battery at all times. Once you deal with that, oh, this wire is shorted out, the radio is constantly draining the battery. Something's wrong. We need to deal with it. This is what sin will do in your life. This is what undealt with sin. And this is why I say, wow, when you get caught red-handed, that is the best thing that could ever happen to you. But my warning for you, my, my imploring for you today is to look back and say, is there something I didn't deal with? And I need to deal with it because it is draining the battery of joy, of mental energy, of strength, of endurance in my life. Romans 2, 4 says that it's his kindness that draws us to repentance. So when, when you get the gotcha, or you're sitting in a service like this, or you're, you're, you just hear something on the radio, and boom, you know the conviction of the Holy Spirit is on there. Like, oh, I've sinned against God. It's, a, it's the kindness of God. Amen. Why? That doesn't seem kind to make me feel bad. He's not trying to make you feel bad. He's trying to make you feel free. Amen. Because your life is drained because there's a sin. Like, you just haven't dealt with it. When the, I, I would challenge you when the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes, immediately deal with it. Yeah. Immediately. Oh, I repent. Forgive me. Amen. Forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. I, don't, I, I confess that this was wrong. Forgive me, Lord. It's his kindness that draws us to repentance. Numbers 32, 23, one of the scariest verses in the scripture says, be sure your sins will find you out. It's not a scary, it's not a scary thing. It goes hand in hand with Romans 2, 4. His kindness is drawing you there. Why, why, did, why does he want the sins to find? Because he wants you free. He wants you to have, did you know he literally died on the cross so that you could have life abundantly. Not life with this constant side drain. Life abundantly. Life abundantly. My prayer is that your sins would find you out. My prayer is that my sins would find me out. Like, and, and not like in a big bad way, but like I don't, I don't want to live an exposed life before the Lord because I want to live the full life that he has for me. And you're like, well, you don't know what I've done. I don't, I don't know. 
but the Lord knows. <laughs> he does know. Like no matter, no, 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 no amount of alcohol or drugs or whatever kind of living you're doing to numb your pain, that's not, that'll just keep draining the battery faster. Only, only him do you have the Zoe life abundantly, the freedom. I told you about my friend. Um, I'm telling a lot of stories on myself today, so, but uh, one of my best friends from high school is, uh, is now serving a very long sentence down in California uh, for a, a brutal, brutal, vicious um, murder that he took part in. He didn't get found out for 14 years. And it was the weirdest thing because he just kind of disappeared off the radar and I'd see him pop up in town to town and he lived, he was literally living this life of hidden. And sh- you, you would think that, oh, I got away with it, I got away with it. But talking to him now, I mean, yeah, he hates it where he's at, but it's like, I can finally breathe again. Like it was the best thing that could happen. Like we think that it would destroy your life, but being found out is the very best thing because now you can live truthfully and joyfully, even in the midst of anything. Some of you are like, oh, I'm going through trial. Well, some of our trials are self-imposed because we're unwilling to be exposed before the Lord. We're unwilling to live honestly before the Lord with integrity. He promises abundant life. More than, it's more than money. It's, more, it's, it's that, you know what I'm talking about. The life only God can give. So I'm, and I'm not, I'm not saying you need to get up and give a public confession, but maybe you do. If that's what the whole, I'm, I'm asking you to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. Confession is good for the soul. There's a reason we confess our sins one to another that we may be healed. And that confession might look different. Maybe you need to go to your spouse. Maybe you need to grab somebody you trust in the faith and say, hey, I have to confess this sin. Maybe you need to grab a pastor or somebody and say, I need to confess because this this is something that I believe is draining me. And I'm telling you, there's nothing more life-giving than that. You think it's going to destroy your life. That's the enemy wanting to keep you in the bondage of it. Yeah, there might be, there could very well be some serious consequences that you will have to walk through, but I would rather walk through a serious consequence than walk 20 years with a draining life. I'd rather walk in transparency before the Lord and freedom in that and experience everything he has for me. Amen? Amen. I want to tell one more story, and I have permission from this young man to share it. Um, and so he, he might be watching online today. His name's Josiah Aho. Um, graduated this last year. Good friend of my son. Loved the boy dearly. Um, he, uh, he's somebody, last year we could adopt a senior, and he was the one I adopted just because the Lord gave me a heart for him. Great young man. Loved Jesus. Um, my son's freshman year, uh, he, they were in the plays together all through. But I grabbed, this, I grabbed Josiah Aho, and I'm like, hey, um, they're going out to Dairy King. Would you take charge of my son and look after him and get him home? So I can trust you. And he said, absolutely. Because I trusted, I trusted this guy. I still do. Um, I admired him. I still do. He has great integrity. But instead of his senior party this year, uh, in June, in August, before he left for Arizona, he threw a party at his house. Um, and it was more of a service they, where he wanted to share his testimony. And, and he, he shared something that he, didn't com- he had never confided in me before. Um, but he, he, he mentioned, and I have permission to share this, folks. I'm not going to share your story without your permission, just so you know. 
But he shared the story that, that during COVID, during the shutdown, he would go out with the folks from school. They'd go out and they'd be smoking marijuana and, and, and doing all of that. And, and it, it, it grieved his heart. And so he'd invited all of his friends and all of the people that you know, he, he, he felt looked as mentors or whoever to his house, had this service, and he publicly confessed this to all of us. And my heart for him only grew stronger. Like, I didn't be like, I can't believe you'd lie to me. It was like, that's integrity. That is godliness. And what, what struck me about it was, was uh, and I told him this afterwards, I said, you realize what just happened? Like, like, that shameful thing that you walked in has zero power over you now. In fact, any power that, you like, when we think we're sneaking around or we got away with it or I just don't want anyone to know, like, it, it drains your life. And so what the Holy Spirit does, when I confess my sin, the Lord is faithful and just to forgive us our, our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He one-ups that. Now he takes that shame and he turns it into this thing called a testimony that blows people away. And he stood there in front of the friends, some of which he was out there doing, smoking weed and all that with, and he said, I'm so sorry to have let you down like that. That's not the witness I wanted to leave with you, and I apologize. And there was, I, be, I believe there was a freedom on that. I know there was for him, and that's a powerful thing, but I believe that for every, all of us who heard, it was, it was a beautiful thing. And then they sang this song um, that his father had written, about the prodigal son and him, his brother, and his dad saying, and I just wept. It was profound. The father's heart, the father's love. Like he's, he's not going to hate you more than the kid who stayed behind. He's going to love you and welcome you back. And he's going to use that as an anointing thing. Folks, you were invited into freedom today. Oh, will you drink deep of it? Church, if there was ever a time to come clean and walk in the integrity and freedom, it's now. It's now, it's now, it's now. In the scripture, let's get to the Bible now. David wrote in Psalm 32, and I've, I read this to you guys all the time because I love Psalm 32, but he says this, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by heat for summer. But when he spoke up, oh, the life that was restored. When you keep silent, it's that draining, it's that draining. I'm going to read you the entirety of Psalm 51 in a minute, and uh, I, I just want to say, like, I know I've been reading a lot of entireties lately, but I just keep getting from the Lord, more scripture, less you, Andy, more scripture, less you. David, it's been boggling my mind lately, and I've talked to several people, because I'm like, we love David. We honor King David, right? Uh, 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 even, even Israel, like, he, the, he was the epitome of the greatest king ever. He was a dirty dog. <laughs> Like, we preach about him. Oh, he's, the, he's a great man. He murdered somebody after impregnating his wife. He, he like, in any, any realm of society, but, like, he couldn't pastor a church. We wouldn't let him, we wouldn't let him be a leader in the country. We wouldn't even let him take care, teach at the public schools. And yet, to this day, God holds him in a high esteem. And it boggles my mind. I'll tell you the story quickly uh, that many of you know, but what, what King David did, uh, he was standing on his balcony one day when he was, should have been off with his troops, 
And he noticed this beautiful woman bathing on the roof. He invites her in, sleeps with her, uh, even though she was married to one of his lead, uh, leaders in the military. He impregnates her. And when he finds out that she's pregnant, he calls her husband home, tries to trick him into going and sleep with her. He won't do it because he's a man of integrity. And so he sends him back up to the battle and he tells his commander, when, when Uriah gets close to the city gates there in battle, I want the rest of the troops to back away from him. So he's murdered. And of course, Joab says, okay, you're the king. And he does it. Uriah certainly uh, dies. And, and, he gets, he goes and he, mar- he gets to marry Bathsheba. Hey, he got away with it! Woo! When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. I'm going to read you Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is the psalm that David wrote when he was found out. And I'm going to read that to you in a second. Because what happened was God sent Nathan the prophet. Some of you are waiting for Nathan the prophet to show up and read your mail and be like, I know what you did last summer. Don't wait for the prophet to come. Beat him to the punchline. God, I did this. So Nathan comes to David and he tells him a story about some sheep. He's like, some, uh, somebody, a, 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 a rich person wanted to feed a feast to a, to a guest in his home. He had lots and lots of sheep, but instead of using one of his own sheep, he took the one from the poor man that all he had, and he, set, he, he killed it and he fed it to his servants. And Nathan said, what should be done for a man like this? And David, who was used to judging cases like this as the king, was infuriated. And he said, this man must be killed. He must be judged. He must be taken out. And, and, and we, we must take care of this right now. Where is he? And Nathan looks at him. He says, David, you are that man. <gasps> Boom. Now David had some choices here. He was the king. He could have said, get out and never speak to me again. He could he was the king. He could have dug himself a deep hole and been like, well, you know, it's all right because blah, 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 and all these things. I'm the king. And all of these things. But he threw his heart before the Lord. Oh, God. And so I want to read you Psalm 51. I'm going to read again out of the Passion Translation. Most of you understand, but I want to tell you, the book of Psalms is a book, it's like your hymnal. Did you know that? Psalms were written as music before the Lord. And they're worship songs. Uh, and so many of them were written in rhyme and they had a, you know, a poetic stand. But when we translate it to English, it's hard to capture that. Um, and and I, I just appreciate the way uh, this translation in particular has taken that psalm. And it, 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 it's like a song, but it speaks to us. And, it, and it's still scripture. It's still God-breathed. But I want to read you the song, the Billboard Top Ten hit that David wrote when he was found out from his murder of Nathan, uh, of Uriah. So he says this, God, give me mercy from your fountain of forgiveness. I know your abundant love is enough to wash away my guilt because your compassion is so great. Take away this shameful guilt of sin. Forgive the full extent of my rebellious ways and erase this deep stain on my conscience. I have to press pause there. He, re- he recognized there is a deep stain this drain on his battery like he had no joy left he'd been living a joyless life he was still the king he had a drain he says for i'm ashamed i feel such pain and anguish within me i can't get away from the the sting of my sin against you lord everything i did i did right in front of you you saw it all against you and above and uh, you above all i have sinned everything you say to me is infallibly true and your judgment conquers me 
Lord, I have been a sinner from birth. From the moment my mother conceived me, I know that you delight to set your truth deep in my spirit. Now listen to this invitation that David gives the Lord, and I ask that this would be our invitation to the Lord as well. He says, so come into the hidden places of my heart and teach me wisdom. Purify my conscience. Make this leper clean again. Wash me in your love until I am pure in heart. Satisfy me in your sweetness, and my song of joy will return. David wrote many joy-filled psalms, and I guarantee you at this point in his life, he was in writer's block with joy. He didn't know joy. He had a drain, a stain in his life. He goes on and he says, The places you have crushed within me will rejoice in your healing touch. Hide my sins from your face. Erase all my guilt by your saving grace. Keep creating in me a clean heart. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires ready to please you. May you never reject me. May you never take from me your sacred spirit. Let my passion for life be restored Tasting joy in every breakthrough you bring me. Hold me close to you with a willing spirit that obeys whatever you say. Then I can show other guilty ones how loving and merciful you are. They will find their way back home to you, knowing that you will forgive them. Oh God, my saving God, deliver me from every sin, even the guilt brought, uh, that brought blood guilt. There's his sin. Then my heart will once again be thrilled to sing the passionate songs of joy and deliverance. Lord God, unlock my heart, unlock my lips, and I will, overcome, uh, I will overcome with my joyous praise. Unlock our lips, Father. Unlock our joy. Erase this guilt. I, we're getting a glimpse of why David is to this day so esteemed. His instinct wasn't to rush out and sacrifice a hundred goats to the Lord. His instinct was to break his heart before the Lord. He understood and saw something that nobody else in his day did. That God isn't looking to delight in blood sacrifices and all that. He's looking for a contrite heart. That's what the heart after the Lord is. Look at his profound revelation here. He says this, For the source of your pleasure is not in my performance or the sacrifices I might offer you. The fountain of your pleasure is found in the sacrifice of my shattered heart before you. You will not despise my tenderness as I bow down humbly at your feet because your, you favor Zion. Do what is good for her. Be the protecting wall around Jerusalem, and when we are fully restored, you will rejoice and take delight in every offering of our lives as we bring our sacrifice of righteousness before you in love. David was a dirty dog. <laughs> His heart was after God. Oh, forgive me, Father. It's like I'd offer you a thousand goats, but that's not what you want. He's looking for you. He's looking for your heart laid with integrity before him. Say, Lord, I will hide nothing from you anymore. Like that, that's, that's the heart. That's the person he desires. That's what he, that's what he sheds and he shows in front of you. This past Thursday was, uh, the, was the most important day on the Jewish calendar. Uh, this past Thursday was a day, uh, the, the day called Yom Kippur, which literally means in the English translation, 
the Day of Atonement. Now, traditionally, this was the day that the high priest in the temple or in the, in the, in the tent of meeting would take, would take a bull and two goats to sacrifice as a sin offering to cleanse the entire people. Okay? The bull was for him and his family. First thing that the priest had to do because he had sin on his life. For all have sinned. So he had to sacrifice this bull. He had to sprinkle blood on the mercy seat, which was on the Ark of the Covenant where the presence of God would rest. He had to cleanse himself, cleanse his family, cleanse all of that. And then he would take, two, the, he'd have, he'd take one of the goats. There were two of them. And he'd, he'd sacrifice the one goat and he would sprinkle blood uh, onto, the, onto the, the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies to cover the sin of the people. And he, he, then he would come out. He'd have blood all over his hands. He'd just been sprinkling blood for himself, sprinkling blood for the nation. He would come back out of the Holy of Holies, which only he was allowed to go in at that, at that time, and he would take these bloody hands and he would lay them on the other goat. And, and in that, he would confess the sins of the nation. And, he would, and the Bible literally says, place the sins of the nation on this goat. It's called the scapegoat, is what we call it. And then they would take that goat and there was somebody else appointed to drive it as far away from them as they could into the wilderness. And with it, the sins of the nation. That's the heart of Yom Kippur. That's, that's the Day of Atonement. Um, that, that day, to the, w- w- how it's celebrated now is it's a day of repentance, which is a great thing. It's a, a day of fasting. Um, and it's a, uh, a day of, uh, it's a holy, holy day. I was, a little, I, I was a little stirred up this Yom Kippur, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, uh, repentance is a great thing. Um, but I, I, what stirred me up is, and I think what you, we, need to, we need to remind ourselves that in Jesus Christ, there is, everybody look at me, I think we need to get this. There is no amount of fasting you can do to forgive your sins. Look at me. There's no amount of goats that you can slaughter and sprinkle blood to forgive your sins. The minute you do it, you're sinning again. Like, honestly, you can't do it. And so what, what was grieving me was that Jesus Christ, what God did is he laid his hands upon Jesus and on Jesus Christ placed every sin from that point on and ever, ever been occurred that anybody who comes to Christ can walk in the forgiving grace of Jesus Christ freely and openly at all times. You can't repeat a sacrifice over and over. And so yes, we repent of our sins, but we are washed as white as snow immediately. Some of us think we're going to fast our way into forgiveness or fast our way out of the guilt of our sin. Or we're going we're gonna to give our way. Some people give millions and millions of dollars to appease the sin of their life. The, the guilty conscience. None of that works. It's not, that's not how it works. We should fast. We should, we, we, can, we, we should give. All of those things are good. But it doesn't forgive you in any way. That's not the purpose or point or anything of it. Jesus Christ did it freely. The guilt, the sin... The shame, no matter what you've done, big, little, 100 years ago or 10 years ago or 10 seconds ago, laid upon him that if you just come to him and say, forgive me, Lord, I confess. 
He is faithful. He is righteous. He is just. And he will always forgive your sins and cleanse you. You don't have to have anything draining your battery of this life. Worship team, I'm going to have you come up now, please. You, you heard David's heart, that he got a glimpse of what this was about. Like, my joy's gone. My, my, uh, I've been drained. But upon the confession of his sin, oh, Lord, he, he, he saw that the forgiveness was available freely. There's no more goats required, folks. Only the goat, the greatest of all time. That's, that's, that's it right there. Jesus was the goat, the greatest of all times. He was, he was your scapegoat. He was the sacrificial lamb. Upon him, you know, your most depraved thought and your darkest sin was laid upon him. And it was killed. He died and he took it to hell and left it there. So that when you come to Jesus, you just can receive and say, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, forgive me. And whoosh, he washes it away. Not to hold it over your head anymore. He doesn't even remember it. He wipes it away so that you can now have life abundantly. And you can walk in that freedom. I want to give you one last picture. And then we're going to sing this song uh, one more time. Hebrews 12.2 says this about Jesus. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. who for the joy set before him endured the cross. I want to give you one new picture of Jesus Christ. I I enjoy movies like The Passion of the Christ with the best of you. Like, I watched it once and now it's in my DVD collection. I can't do it anymore. Because it's it's heavy, it's it's hard. But he did walk through that, this, this agony and the suffering. But I want to give you a new key to this. If when you picture Jesus walking through the garden, when you picture him being whipped, if you picture him being nailed to the cross, all you see is the agony. I want to give you another glimpse into who Jesus is. Hebrews 12, 2 said what? For the joy set before him. He endured all of these things. I believe and I guarantee that there were moments, yes, he was in suffering, yes, he was in agony with every whip and all of these things that he was enduring. It hurt, it was hard, it was heavy, but I guarantee you there were moments like this where he looked and he was like, and then back into the suffering. Because for the joy, there was deep joy that he knew was on the other side of this. For the joy set before him, he endured all these things. When I, when I, when I tell you about the joy set before you, I realize that, that there, this, this, the sadness may last for a night, but I can't get through it if I don't have those moments, even in the midst of it, I'm like, hmm. I'll never repent of any sin if I think it's all just agony. If, I want to guarantee you that on the other side of that repentance is this joy. Oh, a deep, life-fulfilling joy. Don't hide it anymore. Don't numb it anymore. Repent. But it's going to hurt. This might happen. Whatever. For the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. You can endure this moment. And so as we sing this song, the joy of the Lord, I'm going to invite you to stand. Here's your altar moment. Here's your high holy day. The blood of Jesus has been sprinkled. And you're invited into a complete forgiveness. You're invited into an open 
life with him. For the joy set before you. If the Holy Spirit has stirred something in you, just repent. Confess it before him. Take action on it and give it back to him. And look for the joy set before you. As we sing this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's sing.
The joy of the Lord is my strength. Father, we thank you for the joy of the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, we thank you for salvation. Father, your word says for all of sin and fall short. God, we need you. And we thank you, Father, for your, for your presence. Father God, I, I just thank you for this message today. And I just pray those that are listening over the Internet, those that are here today, as we just receive what was, what was spoken today, as that whatever's going on in our lives, that we just surrender before God and we just confess before Jesus as we continue to move from glory to glory. And today, if you've never made that decision to accept Jesus, today is the day of salvation, the Bible tells us. And all you need to do is just begin to just confess before God and invite him into your heart and your life and say, Father, forgive me. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my life and I surrender. This day, I, I live for you. And so, Father, I thank you. For those that are watching, those that are here, Father, you know their hearts as they just confess before you, Father, in Jesus' name. You know, I believe I heard this morning, the joy of the Lord, the joy is our inheritance. For those who call upon the Lord, we inherit that joy. And we don't have to wait. We receive it instantly as we call upon Jesus, the joy. He wants to fill us with his love and his joy. Amen. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. People, for those who call upon Jesus, we have hope. We have hope. And the hope I'm talking about is the hope, not that we're hoping it happens, that has already happened. And we walk in that confidence knowing that Jesus accomplished it on the cross so we can walk boldly and with confidence. Not in ourselves, but in him, in Jesus' name. And as Pastor said this morning, as we just confess before God, and we confess and lay it at his feet, and we move forward and continually to get stronger in the Lord as we move from glory to glory. I can't just, that just keeps resonating in my spirit. We move from glory to glory because God wants you to continue to advance in him, in Jesus' name. So, Father, I thank you. Father God, and I just thank you for salvation today. I thank you, Father, for people that we just confess before you, Father, in Jesus' name, as we walk in the hope, and the Father, as we walk, Father, in you, that we receive joy of the Lord. So I thank you for salvation. I thank you for relationships being restored. I thank you, Father, for marriages being restored. I thank you for health. I thank you, Father, for renewing a mind. Father, in Jesus' name, we just give you the praise, and we thank you, Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. I, before you leave today, if you know somebody or somebody in your family that you're just believing for salvation, raise your hand. Just raise your hand. If you believe and you know somebody. So, Father, you see the hearts raised. You know the name in their hearts. Father, they're standing in proxy for it. And we pray for salvation. Father, your word says today is the day of salvation. So I pray, God, in Jesus' name. You, Father, are more than just our words. So, Father, I just pray that you would, you would just begin to speak to those hearts. Father God, that you would move. Father God, that you would take the blinders off and that they would, Father, find themselves today in a place of surrendering their hearts. In Jesus' name, your word says that you call all 
men and women, Father, to the cross. You draw them by your spirit. So, Father, those hands that are represented, those names that are represented with the hands raised, I ask right now, God, that you do a work in them, that you do a transformation from the inside out. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray for salvation, and we thank you for that, Father. And everybody said, hey, you just have a blessed, filled day and a joyful week in the Lord. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or if you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit our website at wnla.church.